Hi, welcome to Improbable Walks, a podcast that brings you to the streets of Paris, wherever you are. My name is Lisa Passold, and I'm a writer and traveler who loves to walk in the City of Light. Every episode, we stroll down a different block of the city, exploring Parisian history, people, stories, and architecture. Today, we're going to walk by the building where the wonderful scientist Marie Curie once lived. We're going to walk along a quay in the historic Ile Saint-Louis, smaller than neighboring Ile de la Cité with the great cathedral Notre-Dame. The island of Saint-Louis is most famous for Bertillon ice cream and gorgeous 17th-century mansions. In fact, we can start our walk on the Pont de Sully, right at the east of the little island. We're looking right at the Hôtel Lambert, a large, gleaming, private mansion, which was originally built by the famous architect Louis Levaux in the 1640s. A few years ago, unfortunately, the roof was damaged in a fire, and the building has been embroiled in a renovation scandal for the better part of this past decade. But the original lines of the building are still partly visible, and its private courtyard is something to be envied from the bridge. A hundred years after the 1640s moment of its inception, this Hôtel Lambert hosted French writer and philosopher Voltaire. This was the Paris residence of his lover, Émilie du Châtelet, who was a brilliant mathematician. If we fast forward to the 1840s, the building was owned by a Polish prince— who hosted fantastic parties here. In fact, Chopin composed a special polonaise for one of these famous balls here. I like to think about the Hôtel Lambert in context of Marie Curie because not only was Émilie du Châtelet, the lover of Voltaire, a famous mathematician and interested in physics, but also the idea that a Polish prince once held luminous parties here. I really like that intersection of math and physics and Poland, because of course all of these are related to Marie Curie, as we'll find out a little later on in this podcast. Now, in the 1840s, if we were to step off the bridge here and stroll along the Quai d'Anjou, below the Hôtel Lambert's windows, we might run into not only Chopin and the writer Georges Sand coming home from one of the splendid splendid parties at the Lambert, but we might also run into the possibly rather high writer Charles Baudelaire. That's because here at number 17 Quai d'Anjou is the Hôtel de Lausanne, which is nearly as old as the Lambert. The amazing Baroque architecture was unfortunately cut up into smaller apartments by 1843, which is why the writer Baudelaire and his friend Théophile Gautier could famously hold their hashish club meetings here in a small apartment. Now, if we continue down the elegant quay, we can turn left on the narrow 17th-century street, Rue Pouletier. 
This small street is a tiny reminder that once long ago, this was merely a watery bit of swamp separating dank little islands. This was actually called Ile des Vaches, Cow Island. When the island was consolidated and developed as elegant housing, you can see why they needed a new name. So Cow Island was named Ile Saint-Louis. This little Rue Pouletier takes us right across to the south quay of the island, to Quai de Bethune, which is really our goal for the walk today. Now, the Quai de Bethune has a wonderful view of the river and the left bank. And of course, for Canadians, the name Bethune is associated with Canadian doctor Norman Bethune. But in fact, that is not the person this quay is named for. This Paris street goes all the way back to the 17th century Duc de Sully. Sully was minister for King Henry IV, and several buildings on this street are from that era. If we walk along to number 36, Quai de Bethune, the story goes that the building's vast basements were actually used to store weaponry during the Civil War, the Fronde, which occurred when Louis XIV was a child. The weapons were loaded in and out of the building directly through the basement from here out onto the muddy riverbank. The legend may have some truth, and in fact, the passageway does still exist, but it's now covered with a grill. However, we're going to focus on two 20th century inhabitants of this building at 36 Quai de Bethune. First of all, from 1912 to 1934, Marie Curie lived here. The brilliant physicist and chemist and two-time Nobel Prize winner, Marie Maria Sklodowska Curie was born in Poland. She came to Paris to study when she was 24. She studied physics at the Faculty of Sciences at the Sorbonne. She met her equally brilliant husband, Pierre Curie, at a tea party being held by another physicist. For their honeymoon, they went for a bicycling holiday, and photos confirm that they would pass as original hipsters if they were to appear today, with their bicycles and Pierre's very impressive beard. When their daughter's born, Pierre Curie did not expect Marie to stay home, and fortunately encouraged her to come back to the lab. One of the really interesting details about Marie is that she kept such orderly notes in her black lab books, not only about her research, but about everything in her life. She kept notes about her daughter's teething, her daughter's first steps, her own feelings, finances, along with notes she's taking for research in the lab. Everything is in her small, orderly writing in those lab books, and you can visit the science notebooks that are practically a personal diary if you go to the small Paris museum that's dedicated to the Curies. The notebooks today are only visible under radiation-proof glass for the public because the paper still glows in the dark all these years later. From 1898 on, Marie and Pierre worked together on advanced research in physics on uranium, which had been recently discovered by physicist Henri Becquerel. She and Pierre took over a glassed-in workshop and an abandoned shed as their discovery shed. Marie wrote, 
our precious products were arranged on tables and boards. From all sides, we could discern their weakly luminous silhouettes, and these glows, seemingly suspended in the darkness, were always a source of new emotion and delight. In July 1898, they discovered polonium, which they named for Marie's native land. And then five months later, they discovered radium. And it's Marie Curie who coined the phrase radioactive. In 1904, after co-winning the Nobel Prize with Henri Becquerel, Pierre Curie was offered a professorship at the Sorbonne. Marie was not. But Pierre manages to get her hired as his senior researcher. Meanwhile, Marie is also teaching physics at a girls' school. She's rare in that she allowed her students to work with the measuring equipment. The other professors just lectured and assumed the girls were too clumsy to actually touch anything, whereas Marie brought her students' equipment she had revamped for them herself. Tragically, in April of 1906, Pierre slipped on the cobblestones not far from Boulevard Saint-Michel and was hit by a horse-drawn cart and killed. After much consideration, the Sorbonne actually hires Marie Curie to replace her husband as a lecturer. This was the first time the Sorbonne has allowed a female professor Marie takes her two daughters and her father-in-law and moves into a house in the suburbs. She commutes to work and continues studying radioactivity. In 1911, she receives a second Nobel Prize, this time in chemistry. This is when she decides to move back to Paris. Maybe she's tired of the long train commute out to the burbs. She moved the family into this building into a large apartment at 36 Quai de Bethune. Some visitors complained that it was not very beautifully decorated, but several people did mention the lovely bunches of flowers because Marie loved fresh flowers. In fact, she often visited the Marché des Fleurs just nearby on the Ile de la Cité. I personally suspect that Marie did not have a lot of time or interest in interior decorating. Her lab was a 20-minute walk away from this apartment over on the left bank. In fact, her lab is what's now the small museum on Rue Pierre and Marie Curie. I'll put a link to that on my website if you're curious about visiting it. I really recommend the place. In 1914, from this apartment, Marie joined the Red Cross to set up a military radiology department. The soldiers called her X-ray vehicles during World War I the Little Curies. After the war, Marie continued working at her lab, and in the evening, the lab assistant would drive her home, here to this apartment. She often detoured over to the flower market, not only to refresh the vases here, but she also bought plants for the garden outside the windows of her lab over on the left bank. Marie died in 1934 of complications from radiation exposure. In 1995, to honor their accomplishments, Marie and her husband Pierre were reburied in the Pantheon. Special care was taken with the move because their coffins continued to be radioactive. Now, it's shocking to me that it took until 1995 to move them, and also Marie Curie in 1995 was the first woman to be buried in the Pantheon on her own merits. 
Most recently, of course, the lawyer and human rights activist Simone Weil was also buried there. Speaking of human rights, this building on Cade Bethune is interesting because of Marie Curie, but she isn't only she isn't the only Nobel Prize winner to live in this building. The human rights scholar René Cassin also lived here in this very address. Cassin is considered an author of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, for which he won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1968. Now, he only moved into this apartment building long after Marie Curie was gone. Cassin moved in in the 1950s. René Cassin believed strongly in disarmament, he defended human rights, and he was a firm Zionist. After World War II, Cassin worked in the United Nations, helping to draft the Universal Declaration of Human Rights based on a list developed by Canadian law professor John Humphrey. René Cassin died here in 1976, and his body was moved to the Pantheon to honor his achievements in the 1980s. Now, I'm recording this podcast a few days before Halloween, so maybe ghosts are on my mind. But I can't help wondering if the ghosts of the Pantheon have long, interesting arguments about politics and science and literature. I like to think of Marie Curie and René Cassin crossing paths and spending a moment reminiscing about their apartment building here and the beautiful views across the Seine. To wrap up your walk today, I suggest you continue west along the quay until you reach the boat-like prow of Ile Saint-Louis. You can gaze at the work going on on restoring Notre-Dame. And you can also admire the lamppost here on Ile Saint-Louis because this is a well-deserved place often called the most romantic location in the city, much photographed. Many people perch here on the quay to eat their Bertillon ice cream. Though right now, we're all more likely to be drinking hot chocolate at home. If you enjoyed this improbable walk, please subscribe to the podcast. For details about today's walk, how to spell the names of the streets, historical figures, their dates, and information about the Curie Museum down on the left bank, please visit my website, lisapassel.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, we go strolling through Paris together. <laughs>